welcome to the Daft Souls podcast. My name's Matt Lees and I'm joined by Joe Scrabbles. Where the guts go nuts. Where the guts go nuts. That's my catchphrase of the evening. I'm not feeling terribly well. So uh, yeah, um, it'll be fine. I'm feeling great. So it's well, okay, okay. Woo for you. Actually, uh, yeah, we should say that uh, Keza, who was meant to be on this podcast, has also pulled out because of illness. So I'll yeah. probably be dead. You'll probably be dead as well. It's evening, weird. It's within like, the hour. Keza was supposed to be here. Then last minute, she's like, oh, actually, I'm ill. And then I started getting ill. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> Some sort of podcast-based disease? But it's all right because I'm a, a consumé professional. That's true. And uh, I can just battle through. You're a consumé professional. You <laughs> yeah. make really good thin soups. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I like the idea of that, though. That uh, so yeah, fantastic times with illness and video games. <laughs> See you next week. Bye. No, um, I have not really been playing much. Really? This week. What have you been up to? I have been, actually, this is a good time to plug it because I don't tend to overly plug anything I do as much as I probably should or would like to. But I've been um, really lost in an editing hole on the subterfuge videos. Oh, yeah. So we had today's episode, uh, well, we're recording on Wednesday of last week. So last week's episode um, is a, a real doozy. It's when things start to kick off. And effectively, we've talked about subterfuge in the past, but it's a, it's a game that our game lasted about 10 days. And uh, so far, the diary series is a day each episode kind of exploring what happened and it's all about relationships and it's all about um kind of a slow burn of trust and talking to each other and it's funny because trying to condense the intro bits down as much as possible but it's a, a case of for the first episode or two you really do need the kind of background of who everyone is where everyone's at and what the kind of overall flow of the tactical situations are and um, I hope, I think that this week's been the real payoff of that, of it being okay. Now, now it's kicking off, and um, it's quite exciting. Well, but- like you were saying before, we were talking before the podcast, and sort of one of the most amazing things is the fact that we're all recording these diaries, and like most of us had a pretty good idea of what was going on and what other people were doing. Mm. But the beauty of it is that none of us are sure, and we're all racked by paranoia. So the sort of beauty of the video at this, getting towards this point, this week's and next week's is watching people's paranoia overtake them. Oh, yeah. yeah. And become sort of... They're still seeing everything clearly, but they're second-guessing themselves and third-guessing themselves to the point where it just all goes wrong. Yeah. And we're... And, like, that's the beauty of editing it all together into yeah. one thing, is that you see... You can put those intersections next to each other. Yeah. It's, it's kind of amazing. It, it is amazing. Um, I'm just seeing how close people were to just, you know, just doing crazy things sometimes. Just just because that little paranoid voice in the head just gets louder and louder and louder mm. until people are completely comfortable and then just, just constantly just walking over to the edge of madness and just being <laughs> like, I'm going to do this. And it's spectacular. It's been really difficult to edit for that reason, though, because I do feel like... Um, weirdly um responsible for it it's kind of like a documentary and this and there's genuine um it's kind of genuineness at stake in a weird way like mm. it's been different some people have provided the uh, their diaries um afterwards yeah um so Quinn's has sort of scripted some stuff initially and then recorded the bits afterwards and um we got some stuff from Pip and some stuff from Paul which I believe was done kind of afterwards um and that's kind of weirdly like I do I do trust it, but it's all it's almost like weirdly a bit less trustworthy because um, you know it's that case of being like you might have something written in the script and then just go actually no I'm not going to say that or whatever it's it's well it's also that thing where you you can have cognitive dissonance and think two two yes. things at the same time yes but by the time the game's over you've 
decided your narrative. You understand what's going on. Precisely. Whereas certainly listening back to my stuff, I like there are, you know, one day to the next, like, totally different. Well, I mean, I, I'm editing um, mainly your stuff at the moment for this week's episode, which is going up on uh, Wednesday, hopefully, um, if it's if it's done in time. I'll be flying back from the States, so I had to get it done and up. But it's, it's fantastic to watch this sort of... Um, this just unfolding and I, it's great because I, I at that point as well was just completely losing it um, and it's funny because even though I, I'm becoming more and more dishevelled and looking like a mad kind of uh, <laughs> a mad kind of Wurzel gummage at this point um, it's it's good to see that you equally kind of started to just become oh, yeah. unhinged and have it, it just everything becomes unreal strangely and you start to yeah it's it's a fa- it was a fascinating game to play. We've talked about the game a lot already, but I would say, yeah, it's, it's well worth um, putting the time in to watch the series. The videos are quite long. They're about 15 to 20 minutes for each episode. But uh, yeah, it's 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 worth it. And I, I'm actually loving it at the moment. It's, it's weird that um, for me, it's kind of like I'm watching a TV series, but I'm just one, one week ahead mm. of everyone else because editing it is... Almost like watching it. And I think it's worth pointing out that you're editing it week by week as well. You're not watching anything no. ahead, so you are still getting the experience of yeah. watching everyone. It's fall like a apart. treat. I love it. I've never really edited other people's stuff before, but mm. editing something like this as well, where you are editing an unfolding narrative, but you don't know what the story is. Mm. Really, I mean, I do, but I don't. It gives me great pleasure occasionally where things I thought to be true were true, but also it gives me great pleasure to see other people just in the same state of confusion that I was in. Because <laughs> yeah. at the time, I really did believe that I was just losing my mind and everyone else was fine. This is sort of gaming's first reality show, isn't it? It is. It. It's it's basically let's, it's, let's take that. Okay. I think so. I kind of I feel, I'm quite proud of it because it is this weird thing of it's you know like it's sort of a let's play series, but it's a let's play series which is basically like reality TV. And yeah, watching people like. The relationships unfold. It's Big Brother where everyone's in their own diary room all the time. And I think, <laughs> so it's just yeah. horrible. And I think it couldn't have been more spectacularly wrong because it's so clear when you watch back that so few of the people who are playing this game are the sorts of people suited for this kind <laughs> yeah, of game. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's very It's true. not that it's a bad game. It's just that, like... Most of us just aren't wired up for it, yeah. and we don't realise that until it's too late. <laughs> that's why it's brilliant, <laughs> and that's why it's probably brilliant TV. No, I'm I'm very pleased with it, and uh, yeah, it's becoming a. Uh, I haven't had time to play games really because it's just become a bit of a labour of love in terms of the how mm. how finished. Because as you say, it's that thing of there are strands of narrative, and there are lovely things to bounce back and forth between different players being on the same wavelength or talking about similar themes. But then also we've got this whole half of it was filmed in Canada and half of it was filmed in the UK. So actually the chronology is quite cut and dry. Mm. It is just like the Canadians film stuff, then we film stuff. So it should be an easy edit because it's like, well, but then obviously purely chronological edits often aren't very interesting. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like, I suppose, yeah, actually what we're getting is 12 hours before we're getting Quinn's stuff Mm -hmm. and his talks about Nelson and Lee and Paul. And then 12 hours after that, we've got all of us. So actually there is a sort of, it's not even day by day, it's half day by half day, which is yeah. kind of weird. Like. It's kind of weird, but it is good because um, the, the video stuff that, that Quinz has been giving has been fantastic. And it means you can start the videos with them because they're really good and they're kind of a more scripted, a bit more uh, set. But then it is nice because there are some crossover. When it gets to the afternoon in the UK, it's the point at which Quinn starts waking up and there's that back and forth of it being like kind of 
our time in the afternoon we're freaking about things he's just got out of bed he's freaking out mm. and I haven't got to the actual edit on that point but I can I can assure you that and uh, this week's episode, there's going to be some real fireworks uh, in that department in terms of Quinn's uh, going to bed and waking up to a mm. bit of a storm. Um, I don't even know. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to watching his footage properly and watch, watching mine back again because it was a very strange time. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, that's a massive recommendation for Subfuse Diaries, which you can watch on CoolGhost.net. If you do watch any one series on on that site. Um, then I'd recommend that one because it's very different and unusual. Mm. Um, so yeah, I've not really played much because of that. Um, you, however, have been playing a little old game called yes, this little indie thing called Call of Duty Black Call Ops. Call of Duty 3. Black Ops. I had uh, a three-day review event where I was in a basement for three days. I came out melanin starved and sort of. Uh, did you get to take the handcuff, handcuffs and radiator with you? I did have like a day of headache because I'd had gunshots in my head for three days. Like there is so like I am in no way comparing this to a real kidnap, but there <laughs> is something about like locking yourself in a dark room with a war zone in your head. They for did three used days. to have that's quite um, interesting. They did used to have those cable ties around the consoles as well. Well yeah they did. Yeah they that was, that's a bit uh, they trust us a bit more about that. Well I guess also it's maybe not on disc, maybe they're installed. That's very true. So can't walk out with a PS4. No. Less easily anyway. Less easy. Um Black Ops 3 is a very interesting game because it's um so the the interesting thing about Call of Duty for the past few years is that it has stayed the same. Like, so it did its thing where it it put, perfected in Activision's eyes and mm-hmm. the buying public's eyes. First, they perfected the single player campaign with the World War Two games. Probably Call of Duty Two, I reckon, was the first time people were like, oh, they've nailed that. And then they perfected multiplayer as we know it with uh, Modern Warfare, mm-hmm. and then they sort of accidentally invented zombies. And those three things are now. The pillars of that. But series. it's funny, isn't it? Because the zombies thing was always a bit crap. I think. Yeah, I, I, lots of people loved it, but it was always a bit hokey and a bit shonky. It's a very inch. Like zombies is probably there's there's something amazing to be written about zombies. Like they're oh yeah, like because as far as far as I'm aware, it was sort of made as a joke, and it and it was shonky because it was just a side project. Clearly, um, yeah. And weirdly, now there are other side projects hidden in that game. And zombies is like a big, you know, piece of the puzzle. Yeah. It's like a, you know, they pour a lot of resources into it. But so the interesting thing looking at Black Ops 3 is it coming out of this, okay, we've got our three pillars. We're not inventing anymore. We're not, we, we have what people want. We understand what Call of Duty is for. Um, and so what it's done is just like pumped every single piece of it full of stuff and the game is like fucking enormous now like if we're talking value for money in games like 60 if you're going to play like a 60 dollar triple a game yeah as they referred to there's not many that offer more than this like yeah. on a base level um in terms of especially in terms of just stuff to do yeah exactly like it's the weird thing is uh call of duty games we probably talked about this in the podcast last year but they're often like really quite maligned by people so they're shrugged off now yeah maligned for a while now i think it's pure and pure in the shrug zone people yeah. just, just don't give a fuck um which is fine you know not all games should be for everyone but at the same time they have continued to actually be quite good and quite interesting like yeah. advanced warfare um last year you know had this classic thing of a terrible campaign but the multiplayer mm. had this sort of mad leapy jumpy yeah. 
jetpack boosting and it, it did play really differently if you tried to just play it like Call of Duty you just got killed yeah um, and so you started leaping around doing crazy spins and kind of Halo-y kind it, of Destiny yeah it was like, actually like surprisingly good but it's like this thing of you know, hey this is actually pretty good like no no one cares no it's one almost cares. at the point where the, the Call of Duty name is not certainly not to a detriment because they'll, they'll sell you know a, a billion copies or whatever they sell oh yeah yeah, yeah. but there's certain for, for for nerds like us, Call of Duty is actually the the bit you don't want to hear. It's like if this was called like Cool Robot Guys in the future, I'd buy it because it's like a cool shooting game with lots of stuff to it. Um, but the, the, so, and an interesting comparison is because we were talking about Assassin's Creed last week. The interesting thing with that series is that as it's become more successful, they pump more money, more people into it. It becomes bigger, like literally bigger. Yeah, you know, London's the biggest ever. Whereas Call of Duty doesn't do that. It just fills, it sort of like takes those little gaps that it's created, those three sections, and just like stuffs things in. It's like getting three little birdhouses and like getting a fucking chisel and pushing things into it. Fill them full of jumpers. Exactly. It's really odd. Um, but it's kind of amazing. And it makes it uneven and it makes it odd to play as a whole, but it's mm. sort of wonderful. Like I really like it a lot and I admire it um, even so this year uh, the standout problem is the campaign makes no fucking sense at all like it's absolute bullshit <laughs> uh, it is a story about um, a man or lady because you get to choose your gender now who gets all their limbs torn off by a robot and gets turned into a cyborg person and then gets a chip in their head and then maybe there's a computer virus that's making all the super soldiers with chips in their head go mad and that's fine and it does uh, some interesting and almost like brave stuff with where it becomes sort of psychedelic almost in places where it's it's kind of it's kind of going oh is this you know like it's getting meta is in a, this real yeah in a very call of duty way yeah. but it is there is something admirable about watching them take such a mainstream franchise and try to do something yeah source code black mirror matrixy like it's all easy but it's fun I still loved um, what they did with Darkness 2, for those of you. Yes. Like, yeah. I mean, it was a game which was kind of maligned because it was not made by the same devs and it had a very different style and a very different tone and it was just different. Mm. But yeah, like that's that's a game if you're a fan of kind of story-based yeah. first-person shooters, that's something that's still worth revisiting a little bit. Darkness 2 is much better. Uh, so in this <laughs> case, the problem is that all of that admirable work is lost by the fact that it's fucked from a storytelling perspective um nothing makes sense so you get like these mad bits where either they've either it's okay so i want to be nice and believe that for whatever reason they've had to cut chunks out of this game right because and my one main bit of evidence is this is a weird one uh is sports illustrated did a massive piece about the american football player marshawn lynch uh, the man who invented something called Beast Mode. I don't know what that is, but he's famous for Beast Mode. And he uh, got, you know, scanned into the game, and there was a big deal about how he was, like, performing scenes, and they watched him getting motion captured and all this stuff. And he appears in the game for 30 seconds wordlessly in the background. And so in my head, I go, something's been chopped out. For whatever reason, they've had to just cut pieces out of this game. Could have just been a PR stunt, though. It could have been. Uh, and he appears in their live-action advert, so I don't know, maybe there's something about Almost that. Almost definitely just a PR stunt. Okay, so in that case, 
they've just written it really badly. Um, <laughs> the exposition is like so, some of the most like act, like out loud laughable I've ever heard. Um, so when you start the game, there's a long training section, and after that training section, it goes. There's like a sort of like fuzzy flash forward. And during that time, it's like, oh, can you believe we've been doing wet works for the CIA for the last five years? <laughs> like, honestly, no better than that. And then there's a bit where you get into uh, your safe house, which is sort of the hub for that mode. And your character legitimately says, Hendrix, who is your, uh, you know, your sort of helper man who tutorializes you, goes, Hendrix. Remind me where we are again. <laughs> and then he explains in depth what the safe house is. And you just sit there and go, what the... F- this is not telling stories anymore. This is, like, just going, we're in a place, shoot men. Um, and then a lot of the stuff that's involved with that sort of going places and shooting men doesn't work that well. So, can- I honestly think with, uh, with Call of Duty, I thought there's a lot about advanced warfare that the stories are very largely punctuated by the needs of uh, loading. Mm. Um, I really do feel that it's one of these things where the games take such pride in having this 60 frames per second, but also looking pretty damn gorgeous, Mm. that a lot of the requirements, narrative requirements, are based on um, you need to hold the player up here. I I really, really feel that, because there were so many many really weird bits in that game Mm. where, like, it just wants you to stop here and look at this for a second, or, like... Have, it had sections where you have to stop and walk behind two corridors. They're walking yeah. down the corridor, and you're like, I can squeeze through that gap, but a game won't let you. Because, um, yeah. In this game, you are allowed to squeeze past them. It's just there are often waits of like 15, 20 seconds as you wait for an door. AI to come and open a door. Yeah, um, Yeah, that's interesting. I'd not thought about it. I really, really believe that a lot of those things, and the only exceptions are in those, uh, in, in uh, Warfare, was that... Um, this, the you know the the, the cutscenes between levels mm. like the video cutscenes obviously because you need a bit of video cutscene yeah. but they get to a point where it's like you can skip it now if you want yeah. but the thing is those ones in Advanced Warfare anyway they were actually quite good mm. like the actual bits were between missions giving a bit of story like I quite liked a lot of the story in that mm. it just led itself down then by having these weirdly two dimensional characters who didn't give a fuck about really weird stuff but then like really got caught up on like bollocks <laughs> and it just became this weird thing of being like hang on you care you cared loads about that but you yeah. don't care about this and it's because it was just you know I guess they gave to the writers and said well look you need to have um, 20 seconds of dialogue here mm. 20 seconds of dialogue here and I wonder if it's just like they didn't I don't know what's the thing is all that might well be true, but it doesn't forgive the fact that 90% of the boss fights are exactly the same in this yeah. game. Like, they are one... It's There's oh, it one mech who turns <laughs> up, like, 12 times. Like, legitimately, you'd fight this one boss fight over and over and over again across the world. Like, they've had this fucking mech shipped everywhere. It's really annoying. Um, I do wonder as well, like, whether now it's just a case of they don't give a fuck. Because it used to be that what you needed was... It, the reviewers would just care, play the single-player campaign and then you get the yeah. review based on the single-player campaign mm. that would sell the game. Whereas that's for years, it's just been like people buy Call of Duty. And like, yep. Reviews don't matter anymore. No, really. it does, not in the franchise sense. I mean, uh, the problem is it does feel like they care. It feels like they've written a story that they were sort of proud of as a concept and that's then it's been fucked it? somewhere. <laughs> like, yeah, it's really weird. And... and it's really hard to reconcile because the game is so obviously solid and it looks amazing. Um, like, and 
But then it just does weird shit. Like it feels like um, Mark Kermode uses uh, Kermode Kermode uses uh, uses a phrase written by committee or directed by committee, a yeah. lot, which is oddly applicable to this game because there are moments where you're like, there is serious, thoughtful storytelling going, or at least um, you know th- uh, themes happening. Yeah, and then suddenly it will be like. Uh, like a really g- gratuitous and like quite unpleasant bit of violence, and like I'm not squeamish about violence, but in but the the tonal problem is there. So yeah. you kind of go, oh, this is a really interesting point. We're getting to the heart of something, and then you like act very close up and in high fidelity, you see a woman's face get burned off in a fire, and it is act. It's like horrifying, and it should be. But there's no reason for it to happen at that point. No. And I was just sitting there going, fuck you. I don't need... Like, that's not the entertainment I need. I prefer the story you're trying to tell. Yeah. Um, I think that that has been a problem with Call of Duty for a long time, of, yeah. of trying to, to tell different stories. Especially, you can tell there's, like, occasionally narrative designers trying to <laughs> trying to break through with stories that aren't mm. just, like, bad man kill with gun. Yeah. Um, but it just doesn't work because it's so jarring with but, the incredible violence. And that's why No Russian is so famous, because it was disconnected and that was what made it scary yeah. and that's what made it interesting. Yeah. And, it may, and, you know, I have had talks with people, not, you know, people, not fucking dickhead nerds who think about stuff a lot like this, like like me. Like, I've talked to friends and gone, did you shoot people or did you not shoot people in No Russian? And had, like, really interesting talks yeah. about why they did it. And, like, people thought about that. People who just play games to shoot people when I got forced into a situation and I made a decision and it was really yeah. psychologically interesting. It's a thing. And it, it played up to the strength of the, strengths of the game. Yeah. And the fact that it's basically these games just do instill you with a kind of psychopathic coldness towards yeah. it. And when they try and get you to care about stuff and then just, like... Expect you to then enjoy some mad violence. It's yeah. like it's not a point, as you say. It's not like being like, "Oh, please stop putting this mad violence yeah. in the games." It's like, look, you can't, you can't expect me to enjoy both of these. Yeah, things. that's it. It's like I like Mad World. Mad World's disgusting. Yeah, and really funny. But in a game that's trying to convince you it's something else, it's not cool to go. Oh, by the way, you've seen this. Here's a woman like choking to death. Um, yeah, it's very strange. Uh, so it is weird. Yeah. So there's that, and it's really hard to square away because. Um, firstly, I mean, campaign mode has so much hidden behind it. So you have this, like, 10-hour, quite crappy sci-fi romp. But then uh, Dead Ops, which was the Black Ops arcade game, which is, like, a like, quite a poorly implemented but funny um, top-down shooter. They've got, like, a full new campaign for that, hidden in a menu, that you might never find. Um, and it's got like racing sections and a story and it's got a hilarious ending where if you leave it for five minutes, all these guys are on a podium talking to each other and then a mech comes in and blows them up. It's got like all these loving touches from games developers who are clearly like going, look at all this stuff we Treyarch can do with all this like money. mad for secrets. And that's what I yeah. find fascinating about zombies is because zombies weirdly like, it didn't, I don't know, it got some coverage. Mm. Um from the press but when it was kind of kicking off but it was mostly like because people liked it they were just like oh there's a new zombie pack coming out or like oh yeah and people didn't really get it or think about it but when my friend was trying to explain to me what zombies was my housemate uh, I used to live with I kept being like just funny and playing on my mm. Xbox I'm like oh what are you doing he's like I'm playing zombies and I'm like is he not a bit crap he's like no it's amazing Like, but he couldn't quite explain to me why it was amazing mm. and it was this weird thing of watching him play it it's like 
weirdly Dark Soulsy in the way. It's, it's, it's just it's so intricate. It like, doesn't tell you anything. Yeah. It's massively intricate. And I'm just watching him doing this stuff. He's like, oh no, you've got to go here and you've got to reinforce this. And when I tried to play it with him, he was like, no, 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 you've got to go yeah. here. You've got to do this. And then when we got this, maybe we do this, but maybe we don't. Maybe we go back there. But we'll, we'll work that out when we get to that point. But yeah. <laughs> I'm just having all these like these rules in his head that he, he in his mind, were conquering. Like, yeah. this is how you do this. And yet I'm like, how did you work yeah, this out? Exactly. And, and it's you, just like, Dark oh, Souls, just by playing it. Like. Dark Souls is exactly the right comparison. Like, it has, I mean, zombies, I'll get onto this shortly, but zombies is still this weird outlier in this mainstream game that you you look at it and it's you're amazing like, what the how popular fuck is it is doing here i can't even i've tried to get into it and i can't because it's too mm. it's too fucking obtuse and yep. i love obtuse games yeah so how is this massively mainstream game managed to sneak in oh, this man. massively obtuse you've thing? got to try the new one it's it's so good like uh, the, the last thing i want to say about the campaign mode is that when you finish campaign it unlocks uh it unlocks something new that i'm not sure i want to give away because I think it personally, I think it's better than the main campaign. What well, it unlocks, and, uh, and I reckon for Dark Souls listeners, probably not the most avid Call of Duty players. Yeah, okay. In the world, so I reckon you're probably all right. All right. So put it this way: there are spoilers incoming. So that when you finish the campaign, it unlocks something a new. So it touts itself as a fourth mode, which it's not quite, but uh, it calls itself Nightmares. And essentially, what it does is remixes the original campaign as a zombie story. So you play the same levels, but all the enemies have been replaced with zombies that act differently and swarm differently and all that kind of stuff. And it has a zombies uh, gun system. So you're no, you no longer go in with a loadout. You have to find random guns throughout, which changes the challenge. Um, and the, the kind of hilarious thing they've done with it is they've gone, well, we can't apportion new resources to this. So what they've got is the main character and a side character have recorded an entirely different story in narration and they just play it over all the cutscenes. So you've got the old cutscenes, and it was like, this guy was Jonathan Zombie Killer, and we've got to go and fight him in a lab. And you're like... And it's sort of hokey, but it's brilliant, and again, just shows like this love for this thing. And it's um, and to me, I didn't get all the way through it in the review event, unfortunately, but I think it's a more coherent story than the actual campaign mode. Like Probably. As a yeah. dumb zombies story it's better and I think that's wonderful like just going by the way it feels like something they would have done on PS2 it feels like uh, like an you know like old Japanese developers just went by the way we fucking made this well this is the kind of thing, thing I'm increasingly impressed with the thing is Activision got a ton of flack when they were the first to pioneer this sort of expensive game that mm. you're supposed to buy once a year and then buy DLC for and all this stuff mm. and you know, it was it wasn't great at the time. It was like you know they were kind of working with retailers to bump it up so the games were like ten pounds more expensive yeah. than all other games and all this stuff, and really being quite aggressive with uh, like season packs and all this stuff, and mm. it was crap. Um, but it's sort of interesting now, moving on by five years. It's like you know that the landscape has changed, and basically, if you are if you're getting into that world, if you're getting into like buying a, a you know triple A game, yeah. that's just the way it works. So if now. you were if you were a 15 year old kid like I was a 15 year old kid, and you maybe had like a paper round, and you could buy like a game, you know, a f- once a month at most, yeah, like 
this would be brilliant. And I would have like, fallen over myself for something with this much it, stuff. It kind of felt like originally it got it got away with it just because the multiplayer was such a big deal for so many mm. people that it's like, yeah, you're going to spend 55 quid on this or whatever, but you're going to play it for a whole year. Yeah. Like, and, you know, yeah, you will buy some more bits every now and then, but really, you look at the time people were putting into it, yeah. it wasn't a bad hobby, mm. really. And now, like, it just feels since then they have made more of an effort to just make sure that each game, as well as they can, is just full of stuff. Especially Treyarch. They they are mad for content. That's it. It's like, I think it's hard, it's occasionally hard, particularly with Call of Duty, to divest Activision from the developers. But it does feel like Activision have gone, we're doing this. This is our plan. Yeah. And Treyarch have gone... Okay, we'll work to that. Yeah, that's, we will that's, try and offer. That's it. what I mean. I think that's the sense I get that it's like they know that their games are expensive. They know mm. that their games are going to have these like DLC packs that are going to be, mm. you know, expensive. And so they just do their absolute best to make sure that what they're giving their mm. fans is actually still like the best value they can give. To, to a certain extent, it's, it almost feels to me like Treyarch have gone. Because they were always the second studio for ages as well, yeah. and then Black Ops became the best selling ever. And there's something uh, there's something lovely about the second studio kind of going, "Fuck it, I think we've got a blank check here," and getting like, "Okay, so we'll move on to Zombies Mode, which is the best descri- the best depiction of this." Firstly, Zombies Mode was, a, as we've said, a joke. It's now like this entirely separate, different UI, different story. It is, um, oh, it's, it's uh, like a Jazz Age Lovecraftian sort of nightmare story with Ron Perlman. Is it actually a story now? Uh, sort of. So it's not like a you get a prologue and then you sort of figure out the story as you go. Again, so sort of Dark Souls-y, but obviously not quite as in-depth as that. But like, but it's got Ron Perlman, Heather Graham, Neil McDonough, who's in like Band of Brothers, and fucking Jeff Goldblum. You know, I've got to say, actually, like even though like I did compare it to Dark Souls a bit, yeah. the difference is what I love about Dark Souls is there are... There are real, like, there's a thread of sanity to everything in there. Yes. Like, a lot of the problems you overcome, you overcome through logic. Mm. And you go, well, what what would that work? There are some bits where it's, like, esoteric and strange. It doesn't really yep. make sense. But largely, you think about what you know, mm. and you use that knowledge to do stuff. What really fucked me off about zombies was the fellow I was playing with, mate. And it was quite fun, but he was like, oh, we've got to use this and this and this to make it this. And it's like, what? Yeah. Like, it's just kind of, it's kind of nonsensical it's like the yeah, puzzles are just like random shit and it's, I have uh, yeah I haven't noticed uh, I haven't the cards on the table I haven't got far enough through it because sure. it's so hard but um, I've not noticed anything totally you know off the wall with regards to solutions but maybe that's just because I haven't solved things yet um, but I think but it is a good touchstone and I think it's a nice touchstone if they are using it I think Dark Souls is kind of a cool place for like a mainstream game to be drawing its ideas from. I mean, I think even actually like thinking about it, maybe the the big appeal here is actually something a bit older than that. Mm. And maybe it's the same as it was for us when we used to play things like Monkey Island and Day of the Tentacle and the fact that you had these these difficult puzzles uh, that didn't really make sense and you get stuck and then it would be this kind of school-like... It's a uh, chat, yeah. Yeah, like people would talk about it at school and be yeah. like, oh, have you done this? Oh, you do this and do this. And, mm. you know, maybe your friends looked it up on the internet and he can tell you about it. And just having this sort of puzzle that you're unlocking with your friends. Yeah. And maybe it is esoteric to the point where it's like you can't just, even if you went to YouTube and found out the solution, because you're doing it with four people, you're never going to get it right 
just because you know it. You kind of have to go, you go there, you go there, do this, like, and it sort of comes together through cooperation. Like, maybe that, like, maybe, yeah, maybe that obtuse nature is kind of the key to it because it is so stupid that you have to work hard to get it and then it becomes satisfying. Yeah, it's mad. It really is, but... It's interesting. I like the Lovecraftian jazz with Jeff Goldblum. It's fucking amazing. Like it's yeah, it so much good. fun. Like it's all gold and like uh, and like saxophones are playing over everything you do, and everyone's throwing like dated quips at each other. And yeah, like uh, I've written by the point this comes out, hopefully it'll be up unless it's been rejected for being too weird. I wrote like an enormous article about why I think Jeff Goldblum is possibly the best choice for a voice voiceover actor of all time. Um, like, I think he's the best thing to happen to Call of Duty since war. Um, so, like... It, well, providing that doesn't get killed somehow, I'll put a link to that in the podcast. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, but goes it. it's... um, And, yeah, he's just... He's fucking hilarious. And he's having... And he's having so much fun. And this is a point I made in the... Made in the article is... Jeff Goldblum is famous for... Um, he's been in four video games, I found out, this being one of them. One of them was that Jurassic Park game where he comes on at the end and tells you to go and get a girlfriend and, like, blow the stink off. I think he refers to it. Like, Wow. He, literally, the end of the Jurassic Park game is Jeff Goldblum insulting you for playing a game. Like, I'm pretty sure he doesn't like video games very much. And there's something about his performance in this where you're like, he has so little respect for what he's doing. But because he's Jeff Goldblum, it's amazing. Um, so, like, occasionally he'll sort of be doing an English accent and occasionally he'll just be fucking Brundle from the fly. And, you know, it's so weird and so rewarding because it it turns the game into, like, this weird... It almost feels like some sort of improvisational theatre piece because you never know what he's going to say. Like, there's a bit where I shot a zombie in the head and he went, this is... Good. <laughs> you like any other any other video game character would be going yeah headshot bruh, fucking shot like and all the other characters are Ron Perlman's like fucking stuck it in your nut <laughs> and then like yeah, yeah then Jeff I, don't, I like, don't like I, I like Ron Perlman but I don't need him in no. a Call of Duty game because he's just a Call of Duty character exactly but, but alive yeah, exactly yeah um, and just Jeff Goldblum's the most amazing pick because he shouldn't be there. And and he plays this, like, magician who killed his wife because she racked up a load of debts. And so he's, like, this... He's this prick. He's an absolute prick. And he's just brilliant. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it so much. And and I will play through zombies. I'm trying to wrangle people to play it with me because I just want to be him. I want to be near him. <laughs> like, What are you playing it on? Uh, PS4. I might try and see if I can get a copy. It's mad. Because I, I don't really want to play the rest of the game. No. Um, but I'd like quite like to play that. Exactly. Um, so that's not the strongest pitch I've ever sent uh, to a PR department. But, no. uh, but, <laughs> but the, best, the best thing about it is that, that, and I think, I almost think like this is purposeful, but I'm not sure, is no one gets to choose Goldblum. Goldblum is given to someone. And so whoever gets... Like, when we were playing at this review event, whenever someone got Goldblum, it's like, yes! Like, because everyone else has to listen to, like, very good actors, but normal actors. But not... Not not the weirdest man. Oh, I'm just a normal human? Oh, I'm... I'm Neil McDonough just swearing. (laughs) Like, it's... it's, He's good at swearing, don't get me wrong, but... It's it's funny, though, actually. Like, um, they do continue to manage to do that. I do think it's that... The wealth of there are advantages actually to having a, a franchise like Call of Duty, which has been sort of owned by multiple studios, yeah, 
consistently rather than past. Because mm. I think it's that thing of like, um, I still find it amazing that despite the fact that Call of Duty has, has in many ways for many years bored me so much, um, I still find myself finding that each one has something I about think. it that makes me want to check it out again. And I go back and I have fun. They are very and like, clever. You know, um, the one exception to that is probably Ghosts, which has just been universally, everyone yeah. thinks that's crap, so whatever. But most of the time... It's, it's the Assassin's Creed 3 of Call of Duty, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I don't even know if it was... Oh, I mean, Assassin's Creed 3 was just misjudged. I think it was yeah. just crap. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, there's always something that brings me back. Whereas I find it fascinating with, like, you know, Halo 5 came out um, really recently. Oh, it's mm. coming out soon, is it? Oh, it came out uh, last week. came out last ago. week. And it's like, I just... Halo... I just don't know like it's just no it's pretty good I'm sure it's pretty good <laughs> but yeah it's one of those but things it's, it's one of those things where it's so it's Halo it's so strict to itself mm. of what Halo is uh, in and many I think, regards I think you raise a, an interesting point about that being passed between studio, studios as opposed to inherited by a studio it becomes a fear right with yeah. Halo it's like oh god we have three, to 343 have to live up to a legacy yeah um, which like I think they do well. I mean, I know I have my connections, but I think they do well. No, they but do. But it's... the difficulty is because they have to live up to legacy, it means that they're a long way off being able to go, let's go a bit crazy mm. and take their shirt off and do a fun dance <laughs> on the table. Whereas, like, you know, um, <sighs> Treyarch and uh, Infinity Ward were working kind of in tandem. Obviously, there was beef between them, and then Infinity Ward kind of collapsed into goo. Yeah, now there's uh, Sledgehammer. But it's this nice thing of because it's a transition, because mm. it's kind of a, a rolling thing. It gives them a bit more... Like, can you imagine what it'd be like if now the baton was just being passed and it was like uh, Sledgehammer are now taking over an Infinity Ward and... And uh, the Treyarch are just done mm. forever. There's, there's something well, yeah, that would be horrible. But there, there's, there's something, there's something further to that, which is I think uh, I've written briefly about this, but never exclusively. But there's something amazing about um, how Call of Duty DLC is done because they don't give that to the studios. They have like so Raven, who a lot of people are really sad. I miss Raven. Yeah, exactly. Raven made great stuff, but they get anyone doing it, don't they? Fucking like, well, no, that's not fair. But they had, <laughs> yeah. uh, they had Raven at one point. They were purposefully quite um, opaque about who was doing what, weren't yeah. they? But it was like Raven, Robomodo, Neversoft. Yes, yeah. And then, and yeah. Then, and well, I can't remember, like a whole bunch of smaller studios yeah. they were basically like, yeah, we only do this. sort of doing it. But so Raven, I know, made, made some of the weirdest DLC packs. Like they made the Call of Duty maps with like the Yetis and minecarts and like dumb video game shit on them. And... So there's something. I mean, that's what Raven do. Isn't it, exactly, it's sad, and it is obviously sad that they're not making their own stuff. But the fact that you can kind of point to something and go, "I reckon that's probably Raven have made this weird shit," is yeah. quite funny. Um, also, on a side note, there is a possibility that Raven will be helping make Destiny Two based on other stuff. So, like High Moon Studios, who made the good Transformers games a few years ago, yeah, they're helping make Destiny Two. Interesting. And I think Activision are getting lots of those satellite studios and putting them into Destiny, which is really fucking exciting. That That's is a cool. cool. Thing. That um, is cool. So, yeah, and the last part of the Call of Duty puzzle is multiplayer, which is obviously the biggest part um, and is exactly what you expect it to be. Has like 13, 14 modes. It's fucking enormous. They've started doing like MOBA style hardcore things. So, um, like, you can do bans and protects for equipment. Um, and then its big thing is it's added nine characters called specialists and each of them have what you can take into battle one of their abilities there's always a combat ability and a support ability and you look at it and you go 
this is destiny. And it's still it's an L one and R one to start the to start the attacks. Really? And you wow. look at it and you're like, this they have taken a major part of Destiny and put it into Call of Duty and it's fucking great. <laughs> like it's yeah. really cool. Like suddenly there's no more perfect loadout because someone will turn up with a shotgun and you'll be like well, we've got this guy Tempest on our... Uh, sorry, a prophet on our team who's got this rifle called the Tempest, which fires a lightning bolt into you. You die. You sizzle for a bit, and anyone else who walks past you also gets sizzled if they stand near you for too long. So if people are camping in one place, you kill a room. And then you've got a guy who, like, spits out decoys. Um, so he turns into a hologram, and he spits out three other holograms, which is amazing for objective-based things. Um and it suddenly adds this like weird layer of tactics that Call of Duty's never had. Call of Duty's always been it too, um, you know, on a base level. Yeah, but it's been uh, shifting. But no, yeah. you're right. Yeah, but it's a twitch shooter. It's a shooter where it's like you hit first, you have the stuff to hit first. You and what's, I mean, for those of you who don't play Destiny, the fantastic thing about the supers, the abilities, is mm. that they fix a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Because you've got this fun shooter where you can just like. You can run around throwing grenades, having a whale of a time, but you can also just kind of camp a little bit with a sniper rifle or hide out in one room. But then when people's supers are up, that's over. Yeah. Because people will just storm in and just cause everything to become wrecked to fuck. Apart from any, like, the idea that Call of Duty now has supports is insane. Like, that's not normal. And so the fact that you can be benefiting your team feels unusual, uh, like... There's something really pleasant about it, and it's got to the point where the MOBA stuff hits that as well. You can now draft your specialists in hardcore matches. Ah. So it's getting to the point where they are expecting people to play enough to be like, I don't want to fight that guy, so I'm going to take him or, you know, that kind of... Interesting. Like, there's an element of real esports thinking. I do wonder how much of that is just they, they want to crack esports so much. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I remember years ago when I went to one of the events, I can't remember which Call of Duty it was, but they were... They hosted this event in LA and they had somebody like live, uh, you know, like commentating live over a mm. game. And it was just like this. No, you don't get this. Yes. It may have been, I can't remember which one it was actually, but it was this weird thing of being like, if you think this is going to be a popular esport, you just don't understand esports. Yeah. Um, but they clearly wanted it to happen and they couldn't make it happen. And I'm, yeah, I'm sure it's never going to be, on base level, it doesn't work like other games do. But. There is something very pleasing about the way they've introduced these ideas and oh no, into yeah. the set template. Yeah, um, I'm down with that. And like, I'm again, I'm absolutely sure like balance is going to be a problem. Like certainly, when I was playing, a couple of specialists felt very powerful. But then Destiny had all those problems. And yeah. Destiny nerfs those problems and it's fine. Uh, apart from, you know, the million people who hate Destiny. But yeah, fuck Blade Dancers. Exactly, and, obviously. And obviously anyone who doesn't like Destiny can yeah. laugh off. But there's something really nice about it. And it I came away from this game that I, you know, I never go into a, reviewing a game like saying, oh, I'm not looking forward to it. But I certainly wasn't like excited for Black Ops 3. And I came out going, shit, this is really interesting. And... I want to play more. I think that's after the three thing. Days. That's why. I mean, that's why I'm glad now to give a, a decent chunk of airtime to it because I think that uh, they're often um, everyone just goes, "Oh, Call of Duty boring," and mm. I think it's it's just it's they're wrong, and yeah. it's something I get really frustrated by on the internet a lot of time. People often will say these sort of things to me on Twitter, like assuming they're going to win brownie points. Mm. Yeah, Call of Duty's boring, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> well, no, actually, it isn't. Like Call of Duty is actually fascinating because yeah. even if you don't play it that much, watching them try and actively evolve things 
in a, in a, a game which has a huge audience and a huge audience that maybe don't always like change is really interesting. And also just watching it to get a pulse of like how this huge kind of behemoth of mainstream gaming is moving yeah. is fascinating. You know, it's it's a fascinating thing to watch. But yeah, they're interesting to play as well. And, and we talk about how Assassin's Creed, I think Jim used this metaphor, is like, is the juggernaut that you can't shift. Like, it's on a path and they and it has to go where it has to go. Call of Duty doesn't. No. Call of Duty moves about, it changes. It's quite, for a yearly franchise that's being made well in advance, it's quite nimble. Yeah. Like, Absolutely, and I think a lot of people put them in the same thing. Are oh, you Ubisoft, yeah. uh, like Assassin's Creed? It's like no, actually, Call of Duty was pretty stale for a while, but they reacted to that, and, and now it's interesting and weird. And there's something about knowing that like five hundred to a thousand people made a game, and being like, that's no one can. This doesn't happen. This isn't a thing that happened in games until very recently. It's kind of an amazing new art form. Like often, it makes shit. Obviously, because yeah, but it's so new, isn't it? Conflicting opinions are a thing. But occasionally, when it coalesces, and there are bits of Call of Duty where you see it as coalesce perfectly, it's really great. Like it's really interesting and just heartening. Like it's a cool new piece of our medium, which is great. Like that's. That's what I want to see. That's what I wanted to see when I was a kid. You know, like, I grew up going, I wish games had as much money as movies. And now they have more. And they're using it and making fucking insane stuff. But it's fascinating, isn't it, watching the different uh, studios and different companies using it in different ways. And and, and struggling somewhat. Like, you know what, like... I'm not sure if there's as much Activision hate as there used to be now. I think uh, it's mainly moved on to EA and maybe Ubisoft and Konami. And, uh, I don't know. I, to be honest, I think everyone just hates everything all the yeah. time. <laughs> I can't really keep up with it anymore. But Brilliant. it used to be that everyone just hated Activision and mm. EA back in simpler times. Um, <laughs> now now more people have more money, there's more hate to go around. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that one of the things that... Um, that they've done particularly well over the past few years is they've released consistently working products. <laughs> well, yeah, that is, is a good point. Kind of amazing, like, and that was something that um, somebody mentioned to me last year, and I was like, "Oh yeah, you're right." Like, people were still going, "Oh, Call of Duty, oh Destiny," but it's like, you know what? Like, Call of Duty and Destiny were two games that just released, yeah, on next gen platforms and just worked, <laughs> yeah, and just ran really smoothly and were really slick mm. and so many games are just coming out like broken yeah. and it seems like there's so many bigger you know people throwing similar amounts of money around who just cannot get that machine of like 500 1000 people mm. to produce things that work whereas there's something about i mean it may not be it may just be that Activision have hired lots of studios that have lots of studios that are naturally very good at this but mm. i don't know it's something about it. it's like it's working like yeah. destiny love it or hate it it's bloody slick yeah there wasn't a huge amount to do when it launched, but man, was it smooth. Mm. And the same thing's true of... Uh, but maybe actually the secret of that is cutting. Maybe that's maybe you're right, and maybe this, the reason things work smoothly is because they very ruthlessly remove things in order to make the Q&A period work. The idea that they have ruthlessly removed stuff from Black Ops 3 makes me want to see what their plans were. <laughs> because, it's fu- like I said, it's fucking enormous. Like, it is huge. And... So the idea that they've cut back is even more amazing if they have. Like, that would be really cool. Um, And yeah, I just have, like, I have a great deal of admiration for it. I'm not sure. It's not not as slick as Destiny, and it doesn't feel as modern as Destiny, and it doesn't need to for what it wants to achieve. Sure. So 
I can see myself playing Destiny in six months. I can't see myself playing Black Ops 3 in six months. No, I was, was going to say, it's like it sounds interesting, it sounds fun, yeah. but it sounds like maybe something that like you might want to pick up and check in a little while, or now if you've got disposable income, exactly. maybe have a quick go on for a bit and then but move it, on. But it's there, and it's not as if you're going to turn it on and not find something to like. Mm. like because it's all there. Like It's just, as long as you like a first-person shooter in some form, you will like a bit of that game. Like there's no way you're ever gonna not like it. I've still been Which dabbling. Is crazy. I've still been dabbling back in Destiny. I'm still having a lovely time just dropping in and doing yeah. stuff but, in that game. Yeah. Also, that's. I mean, yeah. It's I, I so have. Good. I have long, you know, a long-standing love of Bungie, and I do believe they are the best at making guns feel the it, best. It, like Destiny so, is so good. Yeah. And I think now, like having had more time with the Taken King, having let it soak in, like let it soak in a bit, I, I happily just recommend Destiny to anyone. Now it's like it's just really good. Yeah, I got like an alt up to level forty the other day, and I was like, oh, I'm fully in now. This has happened. Oh, like- no, I, I've stayed away from that this time. I, I kind of found my main streak with it was uh, last year, and I got mm. really, really hooked, and I had a great time. But I felt like ah, I'm going to burn out on this. So now I'm playing it much more casually. But there's so much stuff to do, and one of the things I really love about it now is they've put so much more of an emphasis on um on de-skilling in order to do activities which I think mm. is really smart because destiny is at its most fun when you're not quite the top level when you're a bit yes. below yeah I, I agree it pushes you and it makes you really uncomfortable and it makes it actually quite a tough experience and with a new stuff especially these missions these challenges are very hard yeah and so now we've got the system whereby you can level up this sort of gun merchant thing by taking Scrapper guns. Oh yeah, no, and that's using great. them, which is an excuse to basically lower your level to do something. Mm. And more than that, you also have the ability. What is it with um? Oh yeah, like the, the kind of Halloween stuff they. Yeah, well, yeah, that that ruins your light. Of like, course, really, quickly. and that is perfect mm. because really, the, the whole problem with Destiny is you get to the top level and then suddenly everything's a bit easy and you do everything and you're done. Whereas now, by having these sort of stupid little hats you can wear and they're mm. really cool and I was like, oh, I can't be bothered with this but I got well into it for a whole day <laughs> just running around doing these missions, collecting candy, doing Halloween stuff. Mm. Brilliant fun. But the real fun, I realised, wasn't this collecting stuff. It was the fact that it had given me a logical required reason to take off some of my armour. Yes. And by doing that, They've made a dramatically lower level, which meant that then I was going and doing things I'd, I'd like of a similar difficulty to things I'd done before, but it was suddenly difficult again. Mm. And it was fun again. And it's like, I don't know, so much of what they're doing now, not just in terms of what's in the Taken King, but in terms of the activities and in terms of their plans, just seems that they get it. They built this beautiful machine, but they didn't understand it. Mm. And now they do. And hey, happy days. <laughs> but also, I mean, just, yeah, at the moment, like with the powers, it feels like you're in the X-Men. You're just leaping around with your friends, just causing this maelstrom of madness. And it's just like... It's badass. It's so good. Like I, I, I still enjoy first-person shooters, but I just find myself now being like, why would I? Why when why I would play just go and play Destiny? And it's funny watching lots of people being like, oh, why isn't Destiny on PC? And it'd be like, well, it's a really complicated one that, and I think they probably will bring it out on PC in the end, but it's perfect for consoles because yep. I say like, look, the pace of the game is is different. 30 frames per second in Destiny just works right, mm. and it's it's kind of built for that. And lots of people go, no, 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 no that's that, yes, but. They could put it on PC, you could have six frames a second. It wouldn't like ruin the game. It would just make it nicer. And it's like, yeah, it would it wouldn't ruin anything. But at the same time, I kind of feel like so much of Destiny is about this sort of leisurely tank pace where yeah, you yeah, yeah. jump around shooting things, this meaty kind of slow precision. Even when it's fast, it's still slow. That if you start introducing fast frame rates and start introducing mouse and keyboard and twitch spinning mm. and stuff, it would just change the um the culture of the game. Like yeah, dramatically. It's interesting. I have to 
I don't know whether this was baseless conjecture or not, but I was watching someone talk about the new Halo the other day, and the new Halo is 60 frames per second in all modes. And obviously Halo being, you know, the direct precursor to Destiny, it felt very similar. And someone mentioned that between the multiplayer beta and the final release, both of which I played, they made it harder to kill people. It takes much longer to kill people. And... I think, and I don't know whether they got that, whether they were going, oh, they have done that because I've noticed, or whether they read something about it. But I do remember playing the multiplayer beta and hating it and just going, this doesn't feel right at all. Something about this is too fast, it's too it's too snappy, and it doesn't feel like the game I like. And now I'm playing Halo, I've played quite a lot of Halo 5, and it feels like old Halo, and I love it. And... There and that must be down to them, or in my head at least, slowing the pace down, slowing it yeah. right down. And yeah. so, like it's kind of it's an artificial fix, but it it works. It yeah. gives you that sense of strategy that other games don't do because they're not built to do that. Well, this is the thing, and it's like there's this tendency that like you know faster frame rates, slicker combat, faster mm. things is just better. When actually, like it's not. It's just different. Yeah. And I think the thing is, a lot of time, the most vocal parts of the community are people who are like massively, massively into this stuff, and they go, "We want sixty frames a second. We want this fast stuff. Mm. Why? Why does it's too slow? Why would you use a controller when you use mouse keyboard? It's because these people are, you know." In the much, much in the way that often they play games, they're kind of like agitated on edge, mm. more, 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 more. Where actually, like, what I love about Destiny is this slowness. And we talked about it, you know, it's just that, like, there's no voice communications. I remember mm. I got laughed out of fucking town when uh, Destiny launched. And I said a few things on Twitter, being like, it's actually like, it's fantastic that it's opt in. Yeah. 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 Like, it's fantastic that the op, like, that talk is not a feature, a standard. And I got, like, people, like, screen-grabbing my tweet and, like, hurling abuse at me and stuff and being like, oh, you're saying that, like, they, d- developers removing features from games is a good thing? And it's like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, what, why it's not? Like, it's because they're designers and they know better than Because sometimes you. progress doesn't mean going... You have to go backwards a bit before mm. you can go forward. And it's just... I, th- I don't think it is a coincidence. And I think it's something, again, like I think there's a fascinating article to be written about zombies. And I think there's going to be a fascinating article about Destiny mm. at some point. Um, but the, you've just got this game which is 30 frames a second, controller, slow-paced, no chat, and has this huge silent audience. Yeah. People just don't exist, but they do. People love Destiny. Well, didn't they release some ludicrous stat that it's like 25 million people have played it and it's an average of three hours a day of play? Like, yeah, that's disgustingly long for an average. Absolutely, play. that's uh, that is insane. Like, and it it has captured people really quiet. And it's just such a beautiful example of why you have every right, if you wish to do so, to just completely ignore the internet and completely ignore comments because you've got these vast swathes of people saying it's shit, or these vast swathes of people going stop talking about destiny. But these people, whoever they are. <laughs> love it yeah and they want to read about it but they don't want to write anything and I kind of wonder if it's just this is the people the sort of people I, the person I am mm. and it just so happens that my job is recording podcasts and, and doing these things and playing games and talking about them but I think actually if I switch something and I'm suddenly not doing this mm. would I be the sort of person who would go onto websites and write comments no no so, you just play Destiny because it's better. Play Destiny. Destiny's way more fun than writing great. comments. Oh, it's so much more fun. 
I love, I love guns. That's We've worked it out. It's basically people who write comments haven't got something fun enough to do to not Maybe write comments. they don't actually even like games. What? Apart from people who comment on cool ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> because they are genuinely quite an amazing bunch of people. Um, I will very briefly talk about... This is amazing because we came into this day being like, I haven't really played much, but I really enjoyed that. Mm. I really enjoy talking about Call of Duty or listening it's, to it's it. It's fun because it's been such a long time since... It is that weird thing, you know, it is the thing of like, it was just a thing, and now it's sort of, like we saw with Assassin's Creed as well, it fell yeah. out of favour and it comes back again, you know, it's these waves of like, oh, I wonder what Call of Duty's up to nowadays, and people it don't turns out look, it's fucking great. Well, they don't look meaningfully, <laughs> and they just go, oh, whatever, and it's like, well, no, it's, you know, it's like, I... It's one of these things is like, you know, reading about world travel journalism. Like, oh, I don't want to go to that country, but I'd like to hear about mm. it. Like, what's it like? <laughs> um, so, Guadalupe yeah. loop sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I, uh, I went back to play a little bit of, again, something else, which just apparently no one just seems to be talking about at all. I'm mm. not sure why. Um, I went back to look at the final release of Chaos Reborn. I have still not played Chaos Reborn, and I well, would really like to. It's fun. And actually, maybe why people haven't been talking about the final release of Chaos Reborn is it sort of hasn't released with much of a bang, because in terms of what it's actually added and got in there, it hasn't really... Well, it's been hanging around for like a year, right? Yeah. Like, and it's been like, it was been playable for about a year, mm. and it was really fun when it first came in a playable form. It was mm. like, this is cool. But now they've added some single-player stuff, and they've had like sharpened up a lot of stuff, and... It's good, but it's also like quite frustrating. Um, and it's um, I, I played it for about an hour this evening, and I, I'm kind of. It's one of these. It feels to me anyway one of these cases where Kickstarter rewards have really kind of not done good. Huh. Um, because I, I went into it and I was like, well, I've already played the head-to-head stuff. I've already played the head-to-head against other people, and I've got to say, like none of what I'm about to say like diminishes how good that is mm. they've added a whole bunch of new stuff to the head-to-head stuff it's brilliant you should play it you should check it out it's just like an awesome fast head-to-head strategic um, kind of top-down hex-based combat thing god that's a lot of words um, with some quite simple rules but a lot of finesse a bit of luck it's made by Julian Gollop who's one of the creators of XCOM so it's kind of a bit like XCOM-y but with uh, mythical creatures it's really really cool it's really cool but I want to see the, the realm stuff which is the single player mm. um, and I did the tutorial and it was kind of like this isn't quite perfect it has some interesting mechanics you can go around you can like hire little villagers and then you can send the troops in those villages to defend things and it's kind of this weird like it's still kind of hex-based, but in a different uh, kind of arena. Okay. And it's these, like, floating archipelagos, which are islands, and you move around, and it takes you days to move around, and it's like you... It has kind of RPG campaign bits. Hmm. So you get to a town, you can spend your gold to buy stuff, and then anything that you buy during the adventure, when you get to the end of the adventure, if you win, and you don't get knocked back out into limbo by either, like, running out of time or dying too much or whatever you get to keep whatever you've got. So it's this kind of greed mechanic of being like, well, you know, if you can buy some good stuff and then win it, then you get to keep the stuff, huh. which is really cool. Yeah. Um, it has specific locations which are guarded by, like, wizard lords, which are, like, kind of AI bosses that you have to beat. You have the kind of very basic Dark Souls thing where you can choose to go and invade other people or oh, right. you can choose to help other people and get more tokens and they might help you and... It has all this really interesting stuff going on, and it's not like executed amazingly. At times, it is a bit like, okay, the UI on this could be a bit sharper, mm. 
But I did the two tour and I thought, this is fun. Like, I'm actually, I thought, I'm really looking forward to playing this. I'm really looking forward to like going through a simple campaign where I go through these realms, slowly get better stuff and just play this really fun strategy game. Mm. And then I sort of realised that there isn't much to do because you do the tutorial mission and then there's like some more missions which are made by the people who made the game. Mm. Um, And they have like bits of writing in, they have like choice moments. So you can be like, oh, do you want to like help this person or help this person? Or do you want to like go and investigate this or not? So it has a bit of a kind of choose your own adventure vibe as Mm. well. Uh, But then I remembered and I was like, hang on a minute, there aren't many like custom realms here. Right. Because it seemed like people could make custom realms and I tried. So is he, sorry, wait. So is each mission a realm? Yeah. Right, okay. Each mission's a realm and they've all got ratings, like star rating. Yeah. And I was like, did the tutorial one. But then I realised there was loads of ones that appeared to be tutorial one, like big for beginners and first adventure and all this. And I was like, hang on a minute, what's all this about? And I realised what they've done. And what they've done is they've made it so that the top backer tier for the game gives you the ability to create realms and be the king in it. And the thing is, mm. this ugh, I really feel for them because I remember reading the description of the Kickstarter originally and they talked about how Realm Mode was going to have this whole like world, basically, that you could explore. Right. And they said that people who were at this tier would be a king in like an within area of within that world. Right. And I kind of always assumed it was going to be, okay, there'll be this sort of slightly online campaign game mm. where people who are backed at like, and it's like 80 bucks. So it's like, you know, quite an amount. Um, Maybe more, I can't remember. But um, So I assumed that it'd be like they'd make this thing and then the number of people who back that would get like named characters and this sort of thing. But then it's this weird thing of being like, okay, well, here's this list of these missions. Um, They're all rated, but there's no emphasis on like which ones are made by the devs and which ones are made by people and also I get the sense that maybe they're leaving it to be like made by people more than made by the devs but even so it's like uh, sure allow me to go to a tab of custom ones but yeah that feels a bit muddled I want to play like if I'm going to play these missions you want to play the stuff Julian Gollop did it just well, yeah it just loses all the balance because it's like well I, don't, I didn't have a chance to completely get my head around it but it's like how much control did I control like items in the shops and how much they cost and or yeah and also I just jumped into a couple and they were just awful like it's one of these things where, like, the, the problem with, with kind of crowd-made stuff is... Mm. Well, it's the same problem with the world, is the majority of things that people make are rubbish. But that's fine, because the cool thing about the internet is, like, loads of people can make things, mm. and the things that are really good will float to the top. But it means you've got this really small pool of people who the only people who are making these things are people who paid the the biggest thing. And they're not necessarily people who are creators either. They're just people who really yeah. loved Gollop's stuff. See, the thing that, yeah, the thing that worries me about that is not that the pool's small. It's just that you can't separate. The You know, I go in, I buy a Gollop game to play Gollop. Yeah. It sounds weird when you say just Gollop all the time. Just give me the Gollop. <laughs> give me the Gollop, baby. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd want to, uh, that sounds rubbish. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, no, don't want to play Jeremy the Butcher stuff. It's genuinely rubbish. I mean, Jeremy's a lovely man. I don't, I He's great. It's... He's got a fine choice of lamb, but I want gollop. Yeah, it's it's kind of... Uh, yeah, it really put me off, and I was kind of annoyed because I'd spent like 40 minutes learning how to do it in a tutorial, which was hmm. a great tutorial. Yeah. And it was actually, I've got to say, it was fantastic about two-thirds of the way through where it just said, you're doing fabulously or something. That's very And that was it. It was like, like that. it just popped up, you're doing fabulously, aren't I? Thanks. I was also. I was actually doing really badly, but 
Thanks. I love the idea of it. And I was like, oh man, this is such a cool strategy game. And all it needs is this little framework to make it a really cool strategy game that I can play yeah. single player and have fun with. It's still an amazing head-to-head kind of online turn-based mm. game that you don't even have to, you know, you can play it by like almost by email. Is that the central idea? Is that what it should... Is that I, the main piece? I assume piece? so. It just felt like the Realms thing was quite this ambitious thing that they wanted to do mm. and it sounded really cool. And the way it's come out kind of isn't. It just feels... It reminds me weirdly of like... Um, do you remember Neverwent Nights, the first one? I've the, never played it. Okay, well, it had this thing when it first launched it, like you can make your own custom RPGs, and I'm mm. sure some good stuff did come out of it, but it in a way it was fight. like, yeah, you just had all this stuff, and you're like, well, what's, what's good? And yeah. It's just, it feels like a really weird throwback to having all these lists of missions, and I tried a few of them, and they're just like, awful. <laughs> like, I didn't try them for longer than like a minute or two. Mm. Like, one of them just was like, I'm not even going to name them, because it's just offensive to people, but like, some of them just started off with some terrible writing, like just being right. like, oh God. Some of them had spelling mistakes in them and it's like, okay. Oh, that's no good. And then one of them had a thing where like right at the start, so it was a combination of like terrible writing, which mm. is like forgivable, but there's not that much to these scenarios, so you might as well make sure the writing's good. But then there's one where it's like, you came in and the foot, it gave you a choice straight away. And the choice was like, do you either want to do this or do this? And it was like good or evil. Yeah. But then both of them regardless of which one you chose, there was a 50% chance that it would go badly and a 50% chance that it would go well. Oh, that sounds awful. And it's like, you what? <laughs> Basically, you're giving me a choice where I have to choose 50% chance. That's of- what I get in real life. Yeah. <laughs> That's just choosing in real life because it might not go my way. And it's just one of these things where I looked at it and I was like, I don't know, it may have been that I need to play some more and then some more stuff with unlock, but even so, just make the, the make the golem ones gold. Mm. Well, not even the golem, just the team. Have you heard of a game called Pit People? No. Which is the new one by the Bayamoth who made Castle Crashers and uh, oh. Battle Block Theatre, and no. they are making a hex-based single-player strategy no, game. No, I have heard about that, yeah. It was called Game 4, and I think they've renamed it. Oh, Pit yeah. People. No, I heard about Game 4. That sounds like a really good single-player strategy game that I am really excited for and have not seen anything about for ages. But, like, it's got loads of little streamlined ideas. Like, I think part of its main night main feeling is not you're moving people around a map but they choose who to attack so if you move them within range of two people it just goes oh they're attacking that one and they might not attack the one you want so it's all about how you move around the place rather than how you attack that which sounds really weird and kind of cool that sounds weirdly like advance wars in in, in in the odd way that really Advance Wars started off being a game about sending tanks to attack things, but then when you actually played it a lot, and my God, I played it a lot, it was never about that. It was this weird thing of always being like specifically minimising it so that the chances of things were removed, if you get yes. what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it became about this thing of being like, well, this tank goes there because then, and these go to here and these go here because then this horrible unit can only attack yep. my big tank absolutely and so it's, it's sort of the re- yeah it's sort of advanced wars in reverse in that respect because you're now trying to maximize the, yeah the the attacks you but it's making that process aggressive rather than defensive yeah, exactly because in, in advanced wars it was always just about being like ending your turn having done some damage but leaving yourself with this fortress of of where the possibilities had been removed mm. like where like you knew exactly what could was going to happen next because you'd set it up in that way yeah that, that sounds good. Yeah, good. Also, there's a... I mean, it's the Behemoth, so it's going to be really funny as well. I, that's the thing like, I find their games hilarious, but I don't always like them that much after that. Yes. 
yeah, I can see that. But I think strategy game lends itself to a bit more Fingers exposure, crossed, yeah. hopefully. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm that excited for that. Good. Let's have a few questions. Let's. Right, a question from Jay Dutt. We can't all be the best at all the games. Says you, Jutt. Sounds like the start of an infomercial. But what games would you like to be good at? What you need is the gaming vibrato platform. The gaming vibrator platform. Vibrate your way to victory today. <laughs> Press X quicker. Press down harder. And you've won. And your glutes are nice too. <laughs> what a bonus. Uh, what games do you enjoy but you find yourself unable to play due to the difficulty slash difficulty curve? Oh, Christ. Uh, well, Dark Souls, uh, as I said last week, but I'm not going to talk about that because it's horrible. Uh... League of Legends I really enjoyed for two weeks and then got outstripped by everyone I was playing with and just became just a husk. It was horrible. I just, like... Yeah, I can get games, that. Games with a meta really fuck me up. And there's, I think there's something in my brain that hates the meta. Yeah, I do as well. I, that's kind of what I, I got fed up with Dota in the end as I was playing mm. it. And I got I got good at Dota. I understood all, understood all the characters and I understood vaguely yeah. how you were supposed to use them all. And I got fairly good at it. Yeah. But... Then the people I was playing with were like, oh, no, no, you've got to, like, you know, oh, have you not read the patch note? Oh, this has changed. Yeah. Or, oh, no, but the current meta is this. And, and like, knowing all the stats and knowing all of the mechanisms, and I'm just like, you know, I don't care about that. Like, yeah, there's, just- a, there's a layer of immersion in a game's community and its sort of movements that I'm not interested in. No, same. And I have a really not useful reaction to. Like, I, it's my fault. But something in my brain goes, fuck this game. It's asking too much for me. It doesn't deserve it. I'm the same with Destiny. Like, I like going on and playing with friends and my friends going, oh, do you know about this? And they go, what? That's, that's what Destiny gets right, is usually its changes are like little secrets or stories or, you know, like, it's it's rarely, did you know this? I, it, it has been this, but it, it's rarely, did you know pulse rifles are better now? Like, yeah, that yeah. bothers me. It's not, it's not like with, with Stoker being like, why are you jungling with that character? Exactly. We don't jungle with him anymore. Yeah, it's just, no, 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 no. Yeah, like Hearthstone did a similar thing. Um, I was really into Magic the Gathering as a kid, and uh, a couple of friends of mine, who have a lot more money than me, play a lot of Magic the Gathering online, um, and which is expensive but amazing. Um, but watching them deal with how... Magic, which is a game designed to change over time. Watching them deal with how it changes just makes me feel so glad that I don't play it anymore. Yeah. it's As soon as a new set of cards is released, their week is spent going, how does this fit with everything I have? How do I change my decks? How do I change playing drafting? And I have no interest. I just want goblins. That's all I want. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. With a goblin vibrator platform. (laughs) Uh, I I think I'm trying to think. uh, I think the most notable one for this for me was uh, Devil May Cry 3, which everyone like says is just incredible. But I love that game. I love it so much. I thought that was the one everyone hated. No, no, no. It was 4. Or DMC. But 4, I I hated 4 personally. Okay, yeah. I thought 4 was, was really trashy and a lot of the community just think it was amazing but the community have proven themselves um, to be absolute cops. Oh yeah, they don't like DMC which so, is wrong. Yeah, so. like they're just like no, we need to kill DMC so our old game will come back. <laughs> yeah, you killed it. How'd that work out for you? <laughs> well done, guys. Uh, no more, no more ever. Uh, it's done. But no, I love Devil May Cry and Devil May Cry 3 was, was brilliant. It was clearly like fucking awesome mm. and it was so... 
tight and it had so many interesting things going on, but it was just so hard. Like I remember having to like grind the first level just so I could get enough uh, like red orbs to level up my guns so I could kill Cerberus, the first boss, which was like <laughs> 20 minutes in, without it being like horrible. Nice. It that's was just one of those- so hard. Sorry, uh, yeah, I was just getting off track. Uh, it's, that's one of those games where the sound effects live with me forever. The sound of orbs collecting is mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. it's in me. That's never leaving. The first ever May Cry was was hugely formative for me. It oh, was man. just like those mannequins. The coolest thing I'd ever played. It was yeah. it was that thing of being like really cool, but also quite scary. Yes, and the first time I ever hovered with guns, I lives in it's. Yeah, that's like one of the coolest things I'd ever seen in my life. I mean, that whole thing, that one, just going. I guess it was that studio, wasn't it? Really, it was that Mm. thing of like that game was originally one. It was one of the many prototypes for Resident Evil Four. Oh no, it was Resident Evil Two. Or was it? Yeah. So like, like Hideki Kamiya invented Devil May Cry by accident, which I think is one of the greatest game stories of all time. Is like. He was making Resident Evil 2 and they went, what, what is this? This is not a zombie game. <laughs> and so he went, fuck it. Put a red coat on him, get some puppets, let's go. Like, what an incredible, what an incredible decision. And the fact that Capcom went, yeah, he's quite intimidating, let him do it. <laughs> this guy's going to be big on Twitter one day. I just love, get a red coat on him. Get some puppets. That's it. That's the <laughs> jobs are good. And- oh, it's brilliant! What an amazing thing. It was weird because it was just like a big Resident Evil castle, which just happened to have these creepy puppets in. Yeah, brilliant and incredible music. The bit where he gets spiked on the electric sword, sword and he oh, pulls man. out. And- Fuck me! What a game! <laughs> it's just. I want to play it now. I know that's the thing is, you know, when I th- when I think about sort of like when I sort of go, ah, oh, poor internet boys, poor internet boys obsessed with their video games and not having any kind of kind of view of the greater world or having no social understanding and oh, all the problems that come with it. That was me then, exactly yeah. then. Like, I didn't have a fucking clue about anything, but my God, like a man pulling himself up, not pulling himself off. Yes. <laughs> an electric sword. Was just the coolest thing I'd yeah. ever seen in my fucking life. It's because all the blood shot out the back of him. It was unbelievable. Brilliant. And then you had that fight with the big spider. Yes. And the big spider was like, I'm going to kill you. Talking and, spiders. And then he did kill you quite a few times, but then when you killed him, you're like, no, you fucking don't. You, I'm you, incredible. You big spider prick. That was an era in which you'd have a boss fight where you kill the boss and then the boss would come back and you genuinely go, shit. Yes. And it wasn't you going, Oh, reusing bosses. Yeah, like, exactly. You were, yeah, no, you were that's genuinely afraid true. because it was like this creature that I remember that came back, and you were like, "Fuck, you were really like <laughs> fuck," because you were frightened of it. That's interesting. I wonder if there is a group of brilliant children somewhere. Well, they're not going to be children anymore, but brilliant people whose first game like that for them was Bayonetta, because yeah. I'm, Fuck me. Imagine if Bayonetta was the moment you understood games. Like, because that, you know, DMC or Devil May Cry, to an extent, around a few other things, is the first time I was like, fuck, this is a thing that I can yeah. learn and get. Well, Bayonetta I was just really so much better because yeah. with 3, it was just massively exclusionary. And I think it was probably that difficulty curve which led yeah. to the, the kind of community they ended up attracting, yeah. i.e. shitbags. <laughs> I just call them fucking shitbags now. I've had so much grief from them over the years that you're just, you're shitbags, sorry. Um, but yeah, I kind of wonder if that was why it was, that they made this game that was absolutely amazing, but also just required a level of skill from you. Mm. 
that was just like fuck off hard um, which was something I put up with over the years for many years things with Beautiful Joe for example oh yeah ever being like this is an amazing game but you're only going to get half the experience if you play it on the actual difficulty and it really demeaned you by being like oh you yeah. can't do this oh you're just not going to can we at work on Devil May Cry 3 I think maybe yeah because maybe it's just him <laughs> <laughs> he's Beautiful Joe he's Devil May Cry I love him like he's the best he just creates monsters yeah he, he creates all the people he has to block, block on Twitter that's that's it right He's, He's created the monsters and now he can't deal now with them. Now he has them. to block them. Now he has to block Did them. Did you know he has a little stamp that is his face and the word blocked underneath? I know he? he's a bit creepy. Uh, I didn't know. He's, I, mean, I love him, but every not time he's talking me. to women on Twitter, yeah, that's always a like, you're a cute babe. Oh, it's like, I met him and he was nice to me. So that's formed it. Because <laughs> you're not a cute babe, Joe. Oh, <laughs> what? But you are in my eyes. I in need my heart. that vibrator platform. <laughs> but no, Bayonetta was just amazing because it was that thing of being like, had the same quality of, of action and, and mm. control, but it wasn't that difficult. And no. it was that thing of being like, I didn't actually appreciate how good better Bayonetta was until I finished it. Yeah. Because it was that thing of being going, well, that was a fun romp. I love that. And I was like, oh, I'll start playing it on hard. And then suddenly it was like, fuck. Oh my God. <laughs> the whole like, game's different. You just realise the whole game's different, but also you just realise how amazing the enemy design and yeah. the combat design was of just being like, this is incredible. Like, and the fact that everything's like marble with meat underneath. <laughs> that's just the best enemy design in the Another world. Another thing as well, that's exactly it. In the fact that like one of the things I always found with Halo games, especially um, as they moved over to next gen, last gen, was mm. you thought, ah, it's, you know, Halo Reach, not that impressive looking or whatever. But then the more time you spent with it, you start to realise like the, the, the detail and the, the texture to the world mm. meant something that actually looked a bit almost bland and at first was actually had this huge amount of detail and you kind of go oh my god this is actually beautiful yeah. same thing was true of, of Bayonetta I found in fact the enemy designs just look like these kind of golden things with wings but the more time you spent smashing them up and I mean you spent a lot of time yeah. smashing them up you just started to appreciate the level of detail they got into in terms of these yeah. how horrible the designs were it's partly why uh, the game I always mention, Binary Domain, is so yeah. good. Because Binary Domain is a game where you're blowing textures off of things that have more textures underneath, and that design that is the entire feedback the game gives you. It's a third-person cover shooter like everything else, but when you're shooting robots and they are falling apart and you see all the robot bits underneath them, it's the most satisfying interaction maybe I've ever had in games. Yeah. Like, genuinely. And I honestly think until Destiny, there's been nothing that actually managed to be nearly as good as Binary Domain in terms of that noise that when you shoot something in the head and it goes... Yes. Like, Destiny is fantastic at that, of having this brilliant... Um, multiple layers of aesthetic feedback for when you get a nice headshot. Well, it's like... Um, yeah, I think it was Quinn mentioned it, which was... Every headshot has a different special animation yeah. for a headshot. Yeah. Which, uh, since he said he said that, I've noticed it over and over and over again. Like everything. My favorite ones are the taken th- like uh, acolytes. I think where they the ones where they just suck themselves yeah, into like a black their, hole. Their head goes boom, and then the black mess from their head creates a black hole. They get sucked into. It's, that is unbelievable. <sighs> oh, it's so good. And like right down to like cabal when you shoot them in the head, oh, and them. all the air shoots out of their helmet, and then they go down clutching their armor, and you're like. That is amazing. Like it's it's just awesome. And I mean, binary domain was just awesome for that. Yeah. Just being like having the simple idea. But that and that's kind of the thing with binary domain is it does it all over. Yeah. Like you can shoot their leg and you can see their leg falling apart, and you're like, this is 
But it was a noise you made when you shot them in the head. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so good. Just, oh, brilliant. Yeah. And like a nonsensical short story with a French robot. Yeah. And like kind of having this weirdly kind of camp Japanese approach to, to multiculturality, cultural uh, characters, which kind of, you kept kind of waving between going, is this like racist or and then just being like I don't know I think the thing it's is, just the thing is, even if it is racist they're all having a really nice time <laughs> like it's a weird thing we like these are all horrible stereotypes but they're all really happy but they're it seemed not to have fun, fun with it it had fun with it as well yeah there was no like harshness to it it was mm. just like ridiculous stereotypes I, I love the fact that the British SAS guy like British like spy. Yeah, they're like, oh, like James Bond. He's like, who's that? It's <laughs> so like, good. It's just stupid. Ah, <sighs> uh, no, I like Final Domain a lot. If that's not backwards compatible on Xbox One soon, I will lose my shit. It was one of the things I remember so being much. at a um an event uh, and playing Final Domain and just being like, what the fuck? Yeah, like getting to a boss fight where like it was just this boss fight against this amazing giant robot thing. Was it the fucking spider thing? No, but I mean that's that's like. Amazing. I mean, spiders again. Spiders are just good. Bosses. But that spider, fuck. Yeah. But then all of the bosses in Bunny Dome, yeah. pretty much all of them, are just incredible. There's that one where. So this is a thing games get wrong so often, which Binary Domain did not. Which is there's that one which is like a huge floating missile platform just floats around the top of the thing, and you're like, oh, I have to shoot that with rockets, don't I? Most games would go, there's one rocket over there, there's one rocket over there. Binary Domain just goes, there's fucking rockets everywhere. <laughs> yeah, Don't worry that. about it. Just shoot the thing. <laughs> there's just rocket launchers everywhere. So good. It like, is, but it's just like the design of the enemies as well. Yeah. I just remember being like, what is... Because this was a world, when I was OXM, world still obsessed with, uh, with Gears of War. Mm. And it was like, guys, this is like doing Gears of War, like, so much, so better. much better. Like it's like the especially the boss encounters is like this is amazing. Yeah. Like this is creating like big boss enemies that are not just like here's a big meat sponge just fire it for ages mm. and it'll die. Just being like and these gigantic robots that shatter apart piece by piece as you smash into them with. It's just <sighs> it was it was so frustrating because I remember feeding back to Sega afterwards and being like this game's incredible. Um, please don't give it the box art. Yeah, you do. I, that's exactly <laughs> what I said. I said, I said, the worst thing I was in like, the world. please, like, can we get early access to make a video? Because I really wanted to just basically do the same thing that I'd done for Dragon's Dogma. And mm. I'd just done it for Dragon's Dogma. I was like, just get me this game. I want to, I want to make sure this game. Dragon's Dogma. Yeah, I was like, Christ. let let me do what I did with Dragon's Dogma for this because this is awesome. Yeah, and also, please, dear God, just change that box art. But yeah, I think it was just like nothing changed. It came out and it died. And yeah, oh, it makes Never me sad. Be seen again. It's so good. Imagine a fucking next-gen binary unbelievable. Oh, <laughs> like twice as many spider robots. <laughs> um, okay. Um, Amelia Varblood asks, so subterfuge seems to be a highway to ruined relationships. Do you still find the idea of a slowly progressing multiplayer game interesting? And if so, where would you like to see the concept go? I tell you what, I would love to play a game like that over 10 days like that, uh, but cooperatively. Like something, I'd, I'd have no idea how you'd do it. But I was thinking about this afterwards, where I was like, if all ten of us had had roles where we were trying to achieve something together, I that would be a well. Something like I mean, I've just got Pandemic Legacy, and it's still yeah. in its wrapper, and I really, really want to play it because mm. my god, it looks exciting. But yeah, I mean, this sort of that's a similar thing. It's mm. like that's like a game you play over maybe twelve sessions, which acts as a year. Well, yeah, like um. Yeah, Risk Legacy is something I've never played, but is something people talk about in those terms, where it's like, yeah, you're all having an effect, you're all 
doing something together. Yeah, it's like things change, characters die, you find new characters, you know, cards get ripped up. It's sort of this actually, like, as you play through it, it is this sense of like being like real yeah. permanence. And that's why, and, and I say this, I think, all the way through my, my diaries for Subterfuge is that the chat window, I think, is the best thing in that game. Yeah. Because it makes you horrified, it makes you comfortable, it... It's this like it's this place that just lives in your phone constantly. And you're right. If it was a place of of, of cooperation, it would yeah. be a beautiful experience. And it would still be fraught, and there would still be arguments, but there wouldn't be any sense of uh, sort of creeping horror like Subterfuge has. Like, it could even you could even almost have the same power struggles by having something where we have to vo- have leaders being voted in. Yeah, but it would be ultimately working towards a. Yeah, Goal. but they and especially also you could do the thing of splitting off of being yeah. like, okay. Well, you guys got to go here. You guys, go. so actually you you might still be talking to people. Yeah, but so I am t- yeah. To answer the question, I'm totally into the idea. I'm just not into the idea of ruining times no. with my friends. That's the problem for me with Subfusion. It's not the game's fault. It's my fault. It's yeah. I don't like. Causing problems for people I like. We've said it so many times, but I think if you play it with people you didn't know, it would be a, yeah. such a more fun experience. Yeah. I know my brother's been playing a game and he stabbed somebody in the back massively. And then like the guy was furious, but he was like, sorry, mate, yeah. clues in the name of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, yeah, fair enough. But mm. I didn't like it because it was like thing of like, I think realising now, and especially out in the edit, of being like, I was having such a great time because... I was doing that. I was I was doing the game you were just talking about, mm. of it being like me working with my friends and like checking in and getting some information and working towards this this bigger goal. Mm. But then it turned out that that uh, one of my friends was a bastard, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so yeah, it became this thing of being like, well, yeah, it just crushes you. It's like it's mm. like a co-op game where you find out that actually one of your mates for no apparent reason has just been like purposefully fudging the roles. I mean, I suppose what I just described is just Dungeons and Dragons, isn't it? Yeah, but Dungeons and Dragons is hugely time intensive. Yeah. I think I think you're right. I think there's a cool experience there. I think there's a cool experience of something which you can play with your friends where actually unlike subterfuge where because you're worried that your foes, real people, are going to like set something up to happen in the dead of night while you're asleep. And leaving you with a sense of dread. Mm. If you've actually got something which is a bit more structured and a bit more on rails and a bit yeah. more understanding of maybe the time zone you live in, where you have things that happen in the day that you have to react to, but maybe not that quickly. Maybe mm. you've still got like 12 hours, 20 hours to react and have a game that lasts weeks. That would be fun. Yeah. Because it means and you'd it, be able to actually just go on for five minutes a day. Yeah. And again, like, there is something about it living in my phone that I loved, but also made me anxious all the time. Yeah. Well, like, it, I'd turn over my phone and go, fuck. When I started, <laughs> it was like, this is great. Even queue up orders, it means you just pop on for five minutes every day. Yeah. In reality, it became difficult to, like, not be on it constantly. Yeah. I think by, like, day five or six, I was then checking it, like, maybe two, three times a day. Not really looking that much, mm. but... At the point at which the diary series is now, like, oh my god, like I'm on it all the time. <laughs> not even halfway through. I'm literally well. not even leaving the house at night because I'm. Oh worried yeah, of course. Yeah, like I missed. I mean, like you know, next week's this week's uh, series starts with Quinn's being at a party and uh, and still checking, playing checking at his phone, but I, because I didn't have it on my phone, I had it on my iPad. Mm. I just didn't go to a party. <laughs> And that, isn't that the saddest thing? It takes me back to when I started when I was playing World of Warcraft and I wasn't going to the pub because I was raiding. And mm. that's when I gave up on World of Warcraft. It's like, you know what? I've spent weeks not going to the pub and I still haven't got a fucking pair of gloves. <laughs> what am I doing? You should be 
playing Destiny. Destiny, mate. It's all about gloves. I got gloves out the wazoo. <laughs> um, should we do one more question or should we wrap up? Uh, one more. Let's one do more. one okay. more. Okay. Boom, 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 boom. I'm going to go for a question here by um, James Airy because mm. it seems like a quick one. He says, after you mentioned Downwell not being a great train game, presumably mm. because Downwell's touch controls are a bit jumpy if you're mm. on a train, and as I spend two hours a day on a train and I'm generally unimpressed by phone games, are there any train games you would recommend? Yeah, right. So I'm going to look at my phone because I... Anytime someone describes a game as one-handed, I am well into it. And it's really easy to make wanking jokes, but fuck you. Uh, so Yeah, you've got to treat yourself with both every now and then. Train games yeah. I like are... Uh, desert golfing is brilliant. That's Everyone likes desert golfing. does the job. And every time you see a cactus, the most exciting thing on your train journey... Um, there is a game called Alone, which is um, an endless flyer. So it's just incredible. It's sort of like, um, oh, I'm going to give it a really reductive, <laughs> really reductive uh, sort of description. It's sort of like Cannabolt meets Super Hexagon, like incredibly fast, endless runner type thing. That's good. Um, Quite just, intense then? Yeah, very intense, but it is doable like if you're just sitting you can do it if you're standing you can do it like it works um i just got one that i'm not entirely convinced with but i I think could be great which is called five card quest which is by rocket cat games who made uh wayward souls hook shot i think it was called like some really good mobile games i kind of just trust them i think i remember hook shot was that the endless runner where, yeah, you had a hook, where you had a hookshot. Yeah, I think that's it. I, super hookshot or something. Oh, uh, and they also did Punch Quest, which is fucking amazing. Yeah, Punch Quest is Because I played Punch Quest on my iPad and I didn't really get into it because I think it's maybe just better on a phone. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of annoyed because I, I like Android um, as, a, as a... It's all right, but mm. I really kind of increasingly want an iPhone again. Yeah. Just I, because at the time, it was this thing of being like, I gave up on the iPhone because they were bollocks and they were way too expensive and... They really, at that point, it was like lots of games were on Android as well. And yep. also, I wasn't playing as many Android games. Mm. But now there's so much good stuff. Getting an iPad again has reminded me that um, shrugging off like iPhone and iPad games has been increasingly dumb because mm. they, everyone now who shrugs that off and goes, oh, it's bollocks, are the people who still think that everything is just free, free to play bollocks when yep. actually there's now tons of just really good stuff out yes. there. Yes. Oh, and actually, uh, they have just re released. Um, Ghost Trick, which is one of the best ever DS games yeah. for iOS 9 today. Yeah. As we're recording. So that's, that's fantastic because I downloaded that on my iPad and it didn't fucking work. Yes. So, um, <laughs> did you get a refund? No. So I got a refund when it didn't work and I still have access to all the chapters I didn't buy. So, uh, sorry, I did buy. So I've got like an eight pound game for free because it didn't work. Mass ridiculous. Well, so I think I just that, I think I just paid eight pounds, and because I'm a sucker, just went. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I've been ripped off. But you've got eight pounds back. No, no, I didn't get a refund. No, but you've got Ghost Trick now. I know, but I've already finished it. Um, I've got to get someone else to play it because I put it on PS. Because oh, I see. I'm yeah. awful. I'm one of these people who just goes. Oh, it doesn't work. I'm going to immediately find another solution. It doesn't require any kind of friction. But um, yeah, definitely. If you haven't played Ghost Trick, it's that's a fantastic it's little. By the uh, guy who did uh, Ace Attorney, but it's a bit more of a puzzle solver yeah than a tech, like Ace Attorney tends towards text adventure in its ways mm-hmm. um, but yeah Ghost Ghost Trick is a brilliant 
point and click. It's a point and click, but it does a fantastic thing. And I may have already mentioned this on the podcast, but my favourite thing, it's a dump, it's not my favourite thing, but my favourite thing I can talk about in Ghost Trick without spoiling anything. And it's a fantastic little story. I really, really emotional, surprisingly, mm. got really into it. Um, but my favourite thing about it is the fact that it does that point and click thing of allowing you to go to locations which you're not supposed to be at yet. But because it has this very simple mechanic of you're a ghost that can reach out to objects, mm. it just does this thing of if you've gone somewhere that you're not supposed to be at yet, you can't reach anything. Huh. So you just know that you're in the wrong place. Yeah. And that's it. And you go to the place and you go, oh, I can reach out from here to here. And then that's it. And it, mm. it just means you never get stuck. Like, I don't think no, it's cool. ever once got stuck in that game. And it's a point and click with some lovely puzzles where you don't get stuck. And uh, an awesome main character. Yeah. it's I can't say anything more, but it's... Uh, yeah, play it's that very game. Good. Also, and play oh, it quickly before the next iOS update yes, comes out yeah, and yeah, it stops it working again. Okay. Um, the only other thing I've played, which is two-handed but great phone game, is called Another Case Solved, which is like this weird... It's a match puzzler, but it's also a detective story. So everything you earn in the match sections then goes on to help you in like sort of guess who sections, uh, find things on a map... Um, like little mini games that all come out of what you've matched in the match sections. Huh. Um, it's a bit. It's not greedy. It's essentially you can pl- you can kind of play enough to keep you satisfied every forty five minutes, which I think is okay. And I pay it because I play it a lot. I've paid to have a bit more, um, but I think it, it's well worth having a look at. It's a nice kind of step on from the match puzzle. I don't mind things if it's a case of being like you play it for a bit you enjoy it and then you exactly, that's exactly, you can yeah. play it more unfortunately it's not like you buy the game and you can play it all but it's sort of based on rationing so if you could just keep playing and playing and playing you would finish it in like two days gotcha, um, gotcha. but yeah it's a really nice nice little thing that's good I think actually having a selection of things that you can play a little bit is actually quite nice that's exactly it yeah. Uh, yeah Pac-Man 256 is really good for that as well I've heard which is like an infinite runner Pac-Man which is good uh, yeah, so those are all my trained games. I've been uh, playing Sorcery. I went back oh, to the first Sorcery. Yes. Um, and yeah, actually, it makes a lot more sense if you start from the start. Yeah. It's good Not in terms it. of story, just in terms of like, it's a lot more explanatory about what things are. It yeah. gives you really obvious things of being like, cast this spell, you <laughs> yeah. dickhead. Like, being like, what are you going to do? It's true, I never You're even got to do this spell. Really... Whereas I actually, like, weirdly quite enjoyed going straight into three because it was just unbelievably unforgiving. Mm. Just being like, hey, you're a sorcerer. What are you going to do? I don't fucking know. You're the sorcerer, mate. Like, and just You've got like, a spell book. And just kept casting the wrong spells and getting myself into a pickle. Oh, and cool. it didn't matter because you can roll back and it kind of became this thing of being like, wow. Like, mm. Whereas I like the kind of slow intro into this and the way it does in the it does intro you to to themes of yeah simple themes like you can die really easily <laughs> uh, but no i'm enjoying that a lot and uh i'm just getting into the it's really nice just getting into the habit of of embracing the the old thumb in the book you know mm. it's like when i was a kid and playing choose your own adventures you always felt like you were cheating when you put your thumb in the book but, yeah uh, but in this, it's like, because they've made it a mechanic almost of being like, at any point you fine. can just go back, you just feel fine. Yeah. And it's nice because it, it does encourage you to do things. You kind of go, ah, I'm in this village. Oh, I'm diseased. I'm going back. <laughs> I'm not being a diseased man. Or like, oh, I fell off a bridge. I'm and it's, it also does, I mean, this is kind of what Life is Strange bases itself around, which is that thing of like, you do something and you go, oh, right. So my choice that I made wasn't the it didn't have the mood of the thing I chose so like if you you know sometimes yeah. you do something and you're like oh I react my character reacted really angrily that's not what I meant 
you can just go, whoop, didn't happen, didn't happen. Yeah, no, it's it's cool. It's it's very cool. And yeah, that, that's a fun kind of thing. I'm actually, I'm on a flight actually uh, uh, on Saturday. Mm. And so I'm trying to like load up some stuff because yeah, iPad is pretty good. much it. Although I would say if you've got a 3DS, like there's some amazing stuff on 3DS for, oh, yeah. for trains just generally, like especially, you know, keep the thing on. I, I, Monster Hunter for me was a big thing on yep. trains just because I'm now at the point where I've kind of, I've kind of killed Monster Hunter in a way. And I guess I just need to wait for the next one. That's kind of that's how it works. Me. I never got to G rank, and it really upsets me. I but. got to the first G rank, and I got about halfway through it. But uh, it just becomes this thing of like, I, all of the missions I, I can do are incredibly hard. Yeah, and then you know you either need to do them with people or when you are like really concentrating, <laughs> and that's not train time. Yeah. Um, whereas for a long time, it's this lovely thing if you can basically have this thing where you can play some Monster Hunter. Do a difficult mission, maybe go online and play with some strangers, but then you can actually be like doing your your most busy work in between. Yep. And it's it's actually weirdly a lot of games if you're like, oh yeah, you've got you you've got to do grinding because of the structure of Monster Hunter, it never really feels like grinding in the same way. So you you just be like, Oh well, I'm gonna take my train journey, I'm gonna go and cut loads of mushrooms, or oh, I'm gonna go and kill that monster four times so I can get this armor, so I can do mm. this. And uh yeah, I, I still wanna make a video at some point about just the, the 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 kind of structure of, of progress in Monsanto because I think it, it's it's a really fascinating thing. That well, it's a rhythm, isn't it? It's going. I want this thing, so I do this thing, and then I want this thing because of that thing, and then I do that thing, and it like yeah, it builds itself, and then you kind of find yourself going off track, and you go, oh well, now I've got enough stuff from that that I can go and do that, and it's yeah, you forget it, the rhythm. Yeah, you like you you get fixated on this, so you can do this, and then meanwhile, like something else happens, and you find that without even noticing, you're you're objective has changed yep. but the progress of what you were doing anyway is still useful for that and your objectives are always changing I think it's more to do with the fact there's just such a huge tree of choices in mm. front of you and you always have agency I think the agency is the key thing um, too many RPGs have this point where you kind of go you can't do this until you've got this yeah, exactly. and a lot of the time it's gold or XP and yeah. they give you two uh, currencies and be like you need this and you go, oh, I haven't got enough of that. Whereas in Monster Hunter, it's like so many things. You need something, but mm. what you need and what you get is completely up to you. And also, crucially, the, the game itself is so mechanically sound that even when you're doing what would seem like the more boring thing, it never feels like a grind. No. Like you can fight the same monster... I definitely fought at least one monster like a hundred times and I will not be bored of fighting it because I've learnt it and it I th- uh, Sean Bell from Midnight Resistance has said this before and it's a really nice point it becomes a dance it becomes watch an animation do your action in response and yeah. you, you understand every move you need to make and perfecting that is somehow absolutely oh. lovely oh like, there's a thrill to it because it becomes it's they're not like boss animations of being like does this does this does this mm. but they, they start to have these patterns that you realise are incredibly like intricate in a way mm. of how they react in different circumstances and you just get a feeling you just know you're going to go no you, I think you're going to do this now yeah. You go, yeah you're doing that okay and going from having fights where you're just scrambling through and coming out with hardly any health and then getting to the point where you're like you're just almost hardly getting touched yeah. and you're just smashing things up then it becomes so much more satisfying when you then have like oh I've just got a slightly better weapon and mm. then you go back again suddenly these things that used to be giving you grief you're now just like tearing apart yeah absolutely and, and, it, and because you've made the weapon out of things you've been fighting yeah. You go, I deserve this. It's not finding it in a chest. It's going, I built this out of killing these fucking things yeah. over and over again. It's it's 
it gets reward like yeah. so little else does. It does, and it's, it's that fascinating, wonderful thing of the fact that it's not just that you've got a good sword, because the thing is, you can rock up into a battle with an amazing sword, but if you don't know how to fight that monster, you're not going to get a hit in, yeah. because it's going to kill you. And not in like a kind of Dark Souls way of being like, one hit, you're dead, but mm. just it's going to attack you ferociously and strangely, and mid-swing, you're always going to get knocked off yeah. guard or knocked over. But when you go into it properly, it means you can go in with a fuck-off sword that's unwieldy and you can destroy stuff. So good. It's a very, very, very good game. Anyway, we've uh, rambled on for quite a long time. Oh, my again. God. I said, I said last time we weren't going to do this, because, you know... Yeah. And I try not to, but um, it's just quite nice having a nice conversation. It's always good. Um, so, yeah. Anyway... Sorry. <laughs> Sorry again. I just like talking to Joe. Hope you enjoyed your train. Yeah, this is this is sort of part of your train journey, That's but I would it. say, yeah, if you've got if you've got repeat commute problems, I feel bad for your son. <laughs> Get Monster Hunter 4. And the problem's <laughs> gone. Gone. <laughs> that is crap. Mm. Crap rap. Put me to bed. I'm dead. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.